13. And it says that the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. The spies were leaders. Not just spies, but they were leaders of every tribe. Let's jump down to verse 27. It says, Then they told him, they went, and they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and truly it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. We brought the fruit back. So here it is. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Achan there. The descendants of Achan. Achan means neck. I looked that up. I was like, that's interesting. It means neck. Isn't it interesting? Judah means praise. And in Genesis 49, verse 8, it says, Judah, thou art he whom your brother shall praise. He says, and thy hand shall be at the neck of thy enemies. They were meant to have their hand at the neck of the descendants of Achan. And it says in verse 29, the Amalekites, they dwell there in the land in the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and the mountains, and the Canaanites, they dwell there in the sea along the banks of Jordan. Then Caleb, he quieted the people before Moses, and he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome. Amen? But it says the men who had gone with him said, See, not everybody sees it the same way. We are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. Once again, these were leaders saying, The land through which we have gone as spies in this land, it devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Achan, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. A lot of times I'd, I'd, I'd quote this or I'd say it, but you notice that they said, we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. This is how I perceive myself. And so we were in their sight. See, the men saw with their own eyes, not with God's eyes. That's why it's so important we must see like God. You know, we can do all things, we quote it, through Christ. Not without him, but through Christ that strengthens us. Last two verses of scripture, we're going to turn to 1 Chronicles 14, 8 and 9 seated it says and when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over all Israel all the Philistines went up to seek David and David heard of it and he went out against them and the Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Raphael 
Raphael means giants or old tribe of giants. Today, I, ha I do have a title. And I want to title this The Old Giants. The Old Giants. Let's pray. God, I confess I need you, Lord Jesus. I cannot do this in my own strength, but I come to you today and I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to help me to communicate what you're wanting to say today. I pray that you would touch every heart, Lord God. Let it be fertile ground. That you would communicate, that you would illuminate, Lord, today and give revelation and insight. But not only revelation and insight, but the word would be activated in our hearts because you said in your word, in James 1 and 22, that the grafted word of God has the power to save our soul. So I pray, God, that the word of God today that is anointed already, God, because it is you, would take root in our hearts, God, that would deliver, that would break down wrong patterns of thinking, wrong strongholds, Lord Jesus, and deliver us today, God. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you clap as you're seated? In 1 Chronicles 4, 8, and 9, we read this, that the Philistines came out and they spread themselves in the valley of Raphaim. And like I said, it means giant or old tribe of giants. We all know that David had his battle against the Philistines. All throughout Scripture, we know that one great battle, and we teach about it, we teach our children, is David and Goliath. I love that story. Small guy beats down the big dude, bully. I can't stand bullies. You know what I'm talking about. But it's amazing how God works. And, and David was very familiar with him. And the Philistines, it seems like they were a thorn in the flesh of God's people. They were always there. They had to deal with them. The Philistines were meant to have been driven out of the land. In Exodus 23, verse 31, it says, And I will set thy bounds from the Red Sea, even unto the sea of the Philistines, and from the desert unto the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hands, and thou shalt drive them out before thee. To drive them out before thee. God told them, and I'm going to set boundaries for you. That's why it's important we let God set our boundaries. That we align our lives with this word. That we know this word. That we would not be destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We can have a Bible, but we don't know what it says. It does us no good. Amen? And you can't just get the word while you're here. Daily, we have to be in the word. Because the word helps it is powerful. It is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word what? Was God. So it's so powerful. Every promise in this Word is for you. Everybody say, it's for me. It's not just anything that you could come against. We can find an answer in this Word. 
Amen? Amen. And I'm so thankful for the word. We should treasure the word. We protect the word. We do what the word says. And this world has tried to take this word out of schools. I remember when I could carry a Bible to school. I remember reading my Bible at school. I remember praying before lunch. I remember the teacher praying for my lunch. It is amazing. The enemy, strategically, it's not by accident. Jesus called him an evil genius ruler in John 14. That it is not by accident to take the word. If we get the word out, destruction comes. Because the word is stability. It is my sanity. Amen? So we must know the word. We must know what it says. You were meant to be a conqueror. You were meant to have dominion. You were meant to walk in peace. You were not meant to walk in fear. For God hath not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Power. Dominion. Love. I should be able to love because perfect love casts out fear. And a sound mind that I am not shaken by everything that happened in the news that I hear. Amen? But we must stand on the word. The word is stable. So we were meant to drive them out. In Judges 10, 6, unfortunately, this is what happens, and it happens to all of us. And it says, the children of Israel did evil against the sight of the Lord, and they served other gods. They served Balaam, Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria, and the gods of Zidon, and the gods of Moab, and the gods of the children of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines. For they forsook the Lord and served not him. If you read the story when God delivers the people out of Egypt, it, it is amazing how he delivers them all through scripture. They do, he does great things and then they turn back. We turn back. And you know, I, I, I would read this and I would say, how in the world would they do that? But daily I do. We can so quickly do it by not trusting him. Why believing other things that we hear. By trusting in our own strength or our own bank account and worry that we can't do certain things. But we can, all, we can do all things through Christ, right? Amen. In 1 Samuel 4 and 2, it says, And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they had joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And the children of Israel in this story and what I'm going to do is I, we're going to get to our, our text here. But I'm laying some foundation, so stick with me, okay? You, you there? Holler back at me. All right, just making sure. All right, all right, all right. I like it. So in 1 Samuel 4, they come against the Philistines, and they were destroyed. They were beaten. And then the children of Israel, they bring in the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, man, they were pumped. They started to rejoice because when the Ark of the Covenant, they knew what it was. It was the presence of the Lord. There was power 
because of the ark. It would go before them and they would destroy and they would conquer. They were pumped and they were going to win. We're going to win. We're going to smote. I like that word, smote. I want to smote you. I'm going to start saying that. That's all you will remember today. All right. Well. But the Philistines, they were going to beat them down. They were going to get them. But the Philistines, they won. And so they took the Ark of the Covenant and they killed the priests, Hophni and Phinehas. And when the word got back to the priest Eli, it says that he was an older man and he fell back and he broke his neck and he died. And the people of Israel that were scared because the ark, the presence of the Lord was taken from them. And it says that Phineas, his wife, went into such distress and she was pregnant that she had a child and she named the child Ichabod. It says in uh, Samuel 4, verse 21 and 22, and it says she came and named the child Ichabod, saying the glory departed from Israel because the ark of God has been taken, and because her father-in-law and her husband, they both have died. In verse 22, and she said, the glory is departed from Israel because they have taken the ark of God. The Philistines then take the ark to Ashdod in Samuel 5, 1 Samuel 5. Ashdod means powerful. This is where the head of Dagon, their god, fell. They set the presence of the Lord, the ark of the covet in there, and then they wake up the next morning, and their idol is beheaded. He's laying down, and Ashdod, it's not by accident. I say this means powerful, but it shows you who's the most powerful. God has his way in the kingdom of men, and he'll show up, and he will show you who's truly powerful, and then they move the ark of the covenant to Gath. Gath means wine press. This is not by accident, once again, that this is the hometown of Goliath. And Gath means wine press. And God used Goliath to press on Israel, which helped produce the anointing in David. And God uses Goliath sometimes in our life to press on us. Because as he begins to press on us, there is anointing that can be birthed as we lean on him. So we need to thank the Lord sometimes when we come up against our Goliath. Because you begin to press on me a little bit, but when I'm rooted in the word, you're going to press out something that's been dormant in me. And I will can come against you. You will come against me with your sword and spear, but I come against you with the power of the Lord. Because when we are pressed, you can get in a corner and some of the weakest thing can become so powerful when you end up press on them and they can overcome. And then they took it in, in every place they took the ark, the Lord's wrath would come out. And then they took it to Ekron. And then 1 Samuel 6, the ark had been with the Philistines for seven months at that time. And they said, you know what, we got to get rid of this. We don't know what to do with the presence of God. This God is too amazing for us. So they send it back to Israel. And then they decide they, they're going to create some offerings, and they put it on a new cart, the word says. They put it on a new cart, and they transport the presence of the Lord on this cart back to Israel. 
And we're going to jump ahead now to 1 Chronicles. We're almost to, back to our passage of Scripture. And in 1 Chronicles 12.38, we have King David. And King David is now, he's went through process, and he was anointed king, and he was king over Hebron. But now he is going to become king of, of all Israel. And it says all his supporters came. And in verse 38 it says, And all these men of war that could keep rank came with a perfect heart to Hebron to make David king over all Israel. And all the rest also Israel were of one heart to make David king. And they set out and they were going to return the ark of God in First Chronicles 13. So once they gathered everybody together, they knew we got to have the presence of God back. So they were going to return it back to Jerusalem. And they also placed the ark, very interesting, on a new cart. Isn't it very sad that they knew God told them how you transport his presence? But yet they put it on a new cart, just like the Philistines try to transport the presence of the Lord. And when I read this, the Lord just began to speak to me and how, how fast am I to allow things. And we, we have to be very aware, church. We do not allow, we're supposed to affect the world, not the world to affect the church. And sometimes we have lost the fear of the Lord and the reverence of his presence. And we come in and we're just like, you know what, it's just another church service. And we put it on a cart. Instead of transporting the holiness of God and respecting and approaching him in the correct way. And the Lord began to speak to me and I began to repent. And I said, Lord Jesus, I don't want, is there anything in me? Is there anything about me? Have I just not respected your presence like I should? Have I taken it for granted that you would come in and that you would touch me and that you would redeem me and that I would be forgiven of sin? And that, yes, there's power in the blood, but I would go right back and I would do. And I would allow things and voices to be so loud that I would say, oh, wow, that's how you should do it instead of looking to see this is how you should do it. And so they begin to transport the word of God and, well, the power of God and the ark, this presence, and it's holy. And the ark began to fall. And it says, Yusa put his hand out to stop it. And Yusa means strength. Yusa means strength. And God killed him. And I always wondered this when I've read this and I've heard this verse, and I'm like, oh, wow, God, why would you do that? But, I mean, he answered it before what I just said. He said, I must respect he is holy. He is holy. We must lift up holy hands to him. I must do it his way. I can be so quickly to walk in the spirit and go right back to the flesh. We can be like Samson, we can shake ourselves and the power of the Lord comes upon us, but then we go right back. 
And a lot of times we are like that in our walk with God. We will come in here weekly and feel the power of the Lord. And, be, and we'll say, well, I am set free. I'm not going to be like that anymore. I'm not going to act like that. I'm not going to speak that anymore. You know, and I know a lot of times we, we set the bar of, okay, I'm living for God. I don't drink. I don't cuss. I don't. But, you know, we talk about our brother. We have unforgiveness in our heart. We exaggerate, which is a lie, which all liars have their place in the lake of fire. We're fearful. That is sinful. I'm not saying it's just you. I'm talking to me. There's got to be a time that we come up a little bit higher. There is a new anointing, but the standard's coming up a little bit more. And I am not satisfied just with the status quo. I want to walk in the dominion, and I am tired of the old giants that I have to deal with, that I have to battle, that I have to destroy. And we are so comfortable sometimes with the old giants, and we allow them to be there. I, I want a new giant. I don't want to fight the same thing over and over and over again. I want true deliverance. I want to walk in what he's called me to be and who I'm supposed to be. We will not go farther if we cannot deal with some of these old giants, church. In Matthew 6, 13, this is just such an interesting encounter. This is Jesus is asking his disciples, whom do men say that I am? I'm asking you. And they begin to say, you know, some say you're this prophet. Some say you're this. Some say you're Elias. Some say this. And he says, no, no, no. Who do you say that I am? Who? Who do you? And he says, thou art the Christ. You are the son of God. And Jesus says to Peter, wow, upon this rock, upon this revelation, I will build my church. And he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he said to Peter, my father has revealed this to you. And I'm like, wow, what revelation. But what jumped out to me, so if you read just a few scriptures later, it says, for then the time came, and Jesus began to tell them that the, the Son of God is going to suffer. He's going to endure these many things. And it says, Peter, the one that had the great revelation, then rebukes Jesus. And then says, no, you're not going to go through this. And Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And because a good thing is a good thing, is not a good thing unless it's a God thing. And that's what he's saying to him right now. But so many times we can do things and we can act on things and we think that they are good. Uzziah, I'm going to step out and I'm going to touch. But it's not a God thing. And we can have revelation and insight and we can say with one breath, Thou art the Christ. You are powerful. You are holy. That's who you are. That is revelation. And just in a few words of the next day, we begin to not think like God. We begin to speak things that are contrary to him. 
that we do not begin to see like him. And we do not hear like him. And we listen to other voices and they are so much louder than him. And we forget who he is and whom we serve. And we begin to act like Satan. And what God is coming after in this church and in this world is a people that will stand up and say, I'm not going to do like what I see, but I'm going to say what saith the Lord. And I'm going to see like you and I'm going to respond like you want me to respond. Because I'm not going to operate like this world. This world is too loud and we need to shut it up. We listen to the news more than we listen to the word. We let the economy dictate what we're going to do and how we should spend, well, his money. It's the truth. But when are we going to actually inquire of the Lord? Lord, what should I do? God, I know they're saying this, but I'm not going to think like Satan. They're saying this, but I'm not of this world. And Lord Jesus, just like you said, Lord, as I hear, I make judgment. And my judgment is right because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. And I'm telling you, that's how we are supposed to operate. That we can go to the Lord in prayer. And the Lord would download, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, in John 15, 13, it says it will give you power to know the future. It will give you insight into mysteries. That's when the power of the Lord comes upon you, the Holy Ghost. But we don't operate in the Spirit. But I could go to the Lord and I can ask Him, should I buy this? Should I not buy this? My bank account says I shouldn't buy it, so I'm not going to buy it. But maybe he's telling you to buy it because he wants to show himself strong, and he's going to give you the money to do it. It's not about the amount. It's about what saith the Lord. I know we're in a, a pray, fast, give, and we're giving to the, this awesome church. And you know what? On paper, we can't do this. In my own strength, you can't do this. I don't have enough money. But he does. He does. And when I give it, he breaks it and then he multiplies it. Break, multiply. Breaks, multiplies. In the breaking, there's multiplication. But the breaking doesn't feel good sometimes. But... Somebody in this house, you've been feeling broken, but I'm telling you the Lord is about to multiply what has been broken. I feel that in the Holy Ghost. That is a word for somebody. You have been dealing with brokenness, broken dreams, broken callings, broken heart. You think you can't do this, but I'm telling you the Lord's about to multiply. Just give it to him. Place it in his hand, and he's going to break it. He's going to multiply it. Come on, come on. Somebody thank him. Thank him for the breaking. Thank you for the pressing, because the pressing's coming. It's birthing anointing. It's birthing calling. Come on. Thank him, thank him, thank him. Hallelujah. 
I want to think like God. I got to die daily, y'all. Die daily. I got to speak to myself. I got to encourage myself in the Lord daily. And say, Lord, this is what I see, but I'm going to lift up my eyes. I'm going to lift it up. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to lift it up a little bit. I'm going to tell you, something broke in me this year, the beginning of the year. Some old giants that I just destroyed. This is something that has been in my spirit. I have questioned the last few years what I'm supposed to do like never before. I'm like, God, how can I do this? And I felt broken. But I've just begun to give it to him. And I'm telling you, I walked into this year and I felt it. I walked in with boldness and a confidence. Not, I'm not, I'm saying, you may think it's cockiness. It's not. It's a confidence in God. It's a boldness in the Lord I serve. Because I know that greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I know the God that I serve. I know he's called. He's appointed. He's a provider. He's a sustainer. He's my refuge. He's my stronghold. He's my rear guard. He's my sanity. He, oh, he's everything. So I walk in boldness. I walk in authority. I can walk in peace because he is peace. He walks on my storm. He walks on everything that I can't control because he's in control. I'm in the boat with him, and he's there. He's steering it. Woo! I'm tired of dealing with the old giants. They're coming down. They're coming down. Oh, they're coming down. The Egyptians I've been dealing with today, I'm not going to see them no more. Deliverance is in the house. Deliverance is in the house. God is making a way. God is tearing down strongholds. God is building. Come on, somebody, you begin to walk around that Jericho and shout. Those walls are coming down. It's coming down. It's coming down today. It's coming down today. I'm going to destroy it. God has told me, take them out. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. That's all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Woo. The Lord's working. The Lord's working. The Lord's doing great things. God is awesome. God is awesome. Come on, I believe this year there's going to be a fresh revelation of who he is. And when you begin to understand the God you serve, you are going to do great exploits. That's what the word of God says. The people that know their God, know their God. Not just hear about him, but know him. Walk with him daily. Commune with him. Talk to him. And he leads you and gives insight. You shall do Great exploits.
if you know him. So this year, I don't know about you, I want to know him even more. I want to know him and whatever it takes. If he has to press, if he has to break, if he has to chisel it away, so be it. Because I've got to know him. I want to know him. I've got to. So they bring the ark. And it begins to stumble. And David just says, you know what? We're going to leave it. So we come back to the beginning where we started. First Chronicles 14. And it says, now Hiram, king of Terah, sends messages to David in timber and cedar. And he sends people to help David build a house. And David perceived that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel. For his kingdom was lifted up on high because of his people, Israel. <clears throat> and we jump down to verse 8. And we'll read it again. And it says, the Philistines heard that David was anointed king. I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to walk in who the Lord has called you to be, people are going to hear about it. And there's been an attack on this church because people have been hearing about it. That's all right. That's all right because we're starting to walk in who God has called us to be. And there's a building that will be built and it will be paid for and it will fill up. Not because of us, because of him. But he's going to use some of you that know him, and you're going to do great exploits. But it's amazing when people start to hear that you're doing good. Those old giants start to come back. I heard that David was about to be king. I heard that you got baptized. I heard you got the Holy Ghost. I heard that you started going to that church. Those people are crazy. It's true, we are. That's all right. We're crazy about him because we know there's power in the blood. He's redeemed us. Oh, where would I be without the Lord? There's people in the house. Oh, my goodness, you remember where you would be. Woo, by the grace of God. Woo, thank you, Jesus. But they heard and they began to come and they spread themselves out. In the, in the valley of Raphae, which we already established means giants or old tribe of giants. When the anointing starts to manifest, the giants will try to steal your anointing and your confidence. Paul tells about the fire and then the, the viper came out because there was heat. And it's amazing when the Holy Ghost and the power comes. There's manifestations sometimes. You look throughout the scripture when Jesus was, it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. He healed, but most of the time he delivered people. Because it begins to manifest. It begins to come after. The giants seem 
that we've overcome in the past, we're like, oh, man, they keep coming. And they keep bringing me down to old strongholds, and we think that we've overcome them. And then, you know, this year, this year, I know we come to the beginning of the year, you set goals or whatever you want to say. Some people don't. I don't like to say New Year's resolutions. I, I try to set goals, things to challenge myself. But a lot of times when you step forward, a couple steps, something happens. The old giants come and it seems like you stumble back just a little bit. And I'm approaching God a little bit and I, I'm overcoming and then the little giants, they start to come back and I back up a little bit and then it's just back and forth. Anybody ever felt like that? Yeah. That you're like, man, I've been in the presence of the Lord. I've seen this. I've seen that. Wow. And then the giants come back because they heard that you were on the verge of becoming who you were supposed to be. And so they show up. And they want to block your promise. They want to block what God has called us to be. And they're just little things. And, but they're the old giants. Old ways come back. Old patterns of thinking. And so we have to be careful. Because we are, as a church and as individuals, I know this by the Spirit. We are walking into what God is called. It's been prophesied that there is an open door. And I believe that we are walking through the door. I believe that. I know, I know that. But I'm telling you that the enemy has just turned it up. He's turned it up. Because there is a new anointing. There's also new attacks. Brother Wade said it a few weeks ago. You know, there, there are great things that we are going to do, but there will be some battles along the way. And what, you know what, we're more than able to overcome. And in verse 10, it says, Then David, he inquires of God, saying, Shall I go against the Philistines? Isn't it amazing that he did not inquire of the Lord how you should bring in the presence of the Lord? But then he learned. I'm going to inquire. I'm going to ask the Lord. We know that at, a few weeks ago, I know Pastor preached about Ziglag, mighty sermon. And he was talking about David inquiring of the Lord. What should I do? How do we do that, church? Every day we can practice. How do we practice? Lord, what should I wear today? I know it sounds silly, but I'm practicing. I'm inquiring of the Lord. Lord, there's a couple ways I could go to this location, which way should I go? Should I turn right? Should I turn left? Lord, I need gas. Where should I fill up with gas today, Lord Jesus? Where, where, where should I go? God, we need groceries. Lord, where should we go? What are you doing? You're inquiring of the Lord. I know it sounds like you're like, well, whatever. But that's what they did. I'm going to inquire of the Lord. If, we, if you want him to direct your path, we must acknowledge him first. We pray, you're like, you know what, and it, and it doesn't say, you know, sometimes. It says, in all your ways. Everything I do, so I should be asking, Lord, what should I do? Where should I go? 
how should I speak? I'm inquiring of the Lord. So David inquired of the Lord, and he says, will you deliver them unto my hands? Give me the strategy, Lord Jesus. Teach me how to do this. And there are some of you that are in the house right now, you are facing some Philistines. You are facing some old giants. And I'm telling you, inquire of the Lord. How should you fight? How should you fight? Don't just go fighting. Ask him, what should I do? Place in my hand. Teach my hands to war. It's the Bible. And he asked the Lord, and the Lord said, go. I will deliver them into thy hand. So they came to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there. And then David said, God has broken in upon my enemies with my hand, and he's breaking forth of water. Therefore, they shall call the place Baal-perazim. Baal-perazim means Lord of the breaks. I want want to read this in the Amplified. I love what this says. It says, so Israel came to Baal-perazim. And David smote the Philistines there. Then David said, God has broken my enemies by my hand, like the bursting forth of water. Therefore, they called the name of the place Belperazim, the Lord of the breaking through. The Lord of the breaking through. I'm telling you today, we are going to break through on some old giants. Somebody walked into the house and there's a breaking. The Lord is speaking and you have come and you have been in the valley of Raphaim. But there is a Belperazim you're coming to where there's the Lord of the breaking. Old giants, old things, old patterns of thinking, things that you've been overcome with. But there is a breaking in the house today. Old things are coming down today. Today, there will be a breaking. Amen? I'm telling you, I feel it in the spirit. There is a breaking. If you keep reading through this scripture, it's amazing how then they come back again. And David goes back to God and says, how should I pursue them? And God tells them a different way. Once again, very important. How should I do this? And God begins to tell them, and he says, you are going to go around a different way by the mulberry trees. And when you hear the sound going, then you'll go this way. And he says, and then you will smoke them. And it says in verse 17, and the fame of David went out into all the land. The Lord brought fear of him upon all the nations. All the nations. All the nations. Because he heard what the Lord was saying. I, I just want you to begin to thank the Lord. Come on, somebody just worship him for a minute. Come on, lift up your voice. God, we thank you. God, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. I'm about, I'm about finished. Do you have that picture for me, please? 
I was studying. And the Lord, I'm telling you, he brought this picture to me, and I found it. I was like, oh, my, you know it's God. And this is a picture of a jet breaking the sound barrier. Pretty cool picture, don't you think? And the Lord just began to speak to me. A lot of times he shows me pictures. And I saw this today, and and the Lord said, this is where we're at. This is where we're at. So when they come to break the sound barrier, there's a shock wave known as a sonic boom. The musicians can come. This occurs when the aircraft moves faster than the speed of sound, resulting in a sudden release of pressure. Pilots flying the supersonic speed experience the phenomenon known as mock tuck or compression, the changing of airflow over the wings. They say that there's pressure and it starts to push the plane down a little bit. But what they have to do is they got to pull it up and look out over the horizon. I began to read this and I'm telling you, ooh, man, I almost came out of my seat. I was like, woo-hoo-hoo, ooh, I felt it. And as the Lord began to speak to me, and I was just like, wow. He says, you know, you feel such pressure, such pressure. And the tendency is to go like this. We, you heard the buckling under pressure. That you feel it, and when you have weight on you, you tend to do this. move and trying to get it off of you and you have this tendency and I I saw I saw this but they said what they do right before they burst through this barrier and it's not technically a physical barrier but there is a physical response to the unseen barrier And as you feel the pressure pushing you down, they said they will lift it up. And as they lift it up, they're able to go and push on through because they're lifting up into their horizon. Because if I'm looking down, it's very difficult to see where I'm going because I'm focused all on this. You know, a lot of times they do with horses. Look up. You ever seen those people where they just had their head down and then they just face plant into a door or glass? You feel bad. Oh. But so many times we put our head down and we trip. But I'm telling you, we're on the verge and we have come to Bell Parazine.